This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. When it comes to planning ahead, it's important to know at your core what you're aiming for. And without a sense of purpose, how do you find direction for yourself and your company? I have Chip Walker, Head of Strategy and Partner at Strawberry Frog, as well as co-author of the book Activate Brand Purpose, How to Harness the Power of Movements to Transform Your Company. And we're going to be talking about the ideas of activating purpose, movement thinking, and how to be a galvanizer in your organization. Um, so yes, I am. I'm here in New York City. And uh, in terms of my, my background, um, you know, I, I am head of strategy at Strawberry Frog, which is kind of a creative and brand strategy agency. We help uh, clients uh, sort of find purpose and activate it throughout their organizations and, and uh, inside their organization and outside their organization uh, through uh, a concept we call movements, which we'll, um, I'm hoping talk about uh, mm-hmm. a lot more later. So, uh, yeah, the, the founder of the agency, Scott Goodson, and I wrote a book together. Uh, we saw sort of a hole in the marketplace of um, a lot of people talking about purpose and finding your purpose, but very little um, out there about what do you do with your purpose? Mm-hmm. How do you activate it? So that's uh, that's kind of why we decided to write this book now. Uh, it just seemed to be something that um, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of uh, corporate world folks and, and leaders were were asking about. Right. Absolutely. Before we jump into, you know, a movement thinking and stuff like that, I just want to kind of go very, very simple here. When you say purpose, what do you mean? Yeah, I mean, the, the kind of purpose that we were are, are talking about in the book is that we, we sort of refer to it as sort of higher purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and by that, we mean um, a company or an organization's reason for being beyond making uh, money. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the, the reason that you exist um, to, to, to benefit um, people or society uh, in a way that's greater than profit. Right. And so what's the difference between, I guess, just having a purpose and actually activating purpose? Yeah, yeah. So that, that's the million dollar question. Mm-hmm. So, um, you, you know, uh, I think what we've encountered over and over again in the past couple of years at Strawberry Frog was we're having clients come to us saying, um, oh, we've uh, we've developed a purpose statement. And in fact, sometimes they would say we've developed more than one purpose statement. We developed one uh, a year ago and then nobody knew what to do with it. So we had somebody else come in and help us. Now we've developed another one and we still don't know what to do with it. So uh, I think purpose by definition is often rather lofty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be inspiring. It often sounds very, very high-minded. Um, and I can give you some examples um, uh, in a minute. But um, because it's lofty, it's often a little bit vague on its own purpose right. and it's leaving people not sure what to do with it. So I think the difference between having a purpose, which is sort of knowing, understanding that why statement underneath your, your organization, uh, why you exist, um, just having that doesn't necessarily mean that um, you know exactly what to do with it. Mm. Um, and the reason we feel like this concept of movement is important or starting a movement um, is that people can't join a purpose, but they can join a movement that's inspired by a higher purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that's the reason that we, we just find that usually the difference between purpose and an activated purpose is putting a lens over that purpose so that people um, can, can see more easily what to do with it. And then movement thinking we think is the, is the answer. Right. So uh, you were mentioning some examples of uh, what purpose could look like. Sure, sure. I'll give you one. Um, 
that uh, we use a lot. It's for a, a client of ours here that we developed uh, several years ago. Uh, it's a bank called SunTrust Bank. So it's a very large bank here. And uh, you might think, oh, well, the banking and purpose, that, that seems like a disconnect. Um, but uh, the people that ran, ran uh, SunTrust at the time, this was around 2015 that they came to us and they said that they developed this purpose idea. But uh, it was one of those examples that, like I was talking about, where they they were having trouble knowing what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So the purpose that they had developed was called um, Lighting the Way to Financial Well-Being, uh, which sounds kind of great, right? I mean, who, who wouldn't like to light the way to financial well-being or, or be financially well? Mm-hmm. But uh, as I said, uh, again, you know, the bankers, the tellers, the, the folks in call centers, uh, it, it sounded good, but they just, they just didn't know what to do with it. Right. Uh, so thus nothing was happening. So what we did was uh, we helped them um, uh, sort of place that idea in in what we call movement thinking. And let me digress for a minute about movement thinking. So what movement thinking does is it takes the concepts behind uh, successful societal movements, you know, like Me Too or Black Lives Matter or the uh, women's rights movement. So there's some theories behind uh, what makes movements uh, successful. And basically what movement thinking does is is lift out those principles and applies it to uh, an organization, particularly through the lens of purpose. And one of the things that we know about successful movements is that uh, there's a change that they want to see in the world that's important, and they have a shared enemy. Mm. Those are things. So so you have to kind of look out in culture when you take a purpose like SunTrust, lighting the way to financial well-being. Well, what do we know about a change that they want to see in the world that's important, that everyone can get behind? And what is an enemy that they need to rail against in order to galvanize people to try to make the change? Mm. And I think what we realized was that in 2015, in the United States at the time, um, we still just had never really recovered financially from the Great Recession. Right. You know, it, it ended in 2008, yet the vast majority of Americans were still suffering from a lot of financial stress. Uh, only a small portion of the country had ever really recovered. Everyone else was still struggling. So we began to see that a change we needed to see was to help people get out of financial stress that they were that that, that was so so um, bothersome to people, mm-hmm. and that. The change we wanted to see was to actually transform people from this financial anxiety, which was our enemy, and to sort of move them to a place of financial confidence. Right. That kind of became our rallying cry and our movement was a movement for against financial stress and for financial confidence. Um, and all of a sudden, it started to make this idea of lighting the way to financial well-being a lot more actionable for people. So all of a sudden, when employees got up every day uh, at the bank, they could say, I know what it is I need to do today. When I deal with customers, I'm going to help them get out of financial stress. and I'm going to do things to help them be more financially confident. Right. The- Started, uh, they started inside by um, really educating uh, their own employees about um, financial confidence and, and financial literacy and the things that you need to do to, to be more financially confident. Mm-hmm. That program was hugely successful. It uh, increased retention rates. Um, it uh, made a lot more people want to work there. Employee engagement went through the roof. Um, and we also executed the same program uh, out in uh, some of the client companies for their own employees. We right. had a marketing campaign that was all about financial confidence. And um, before you know it, uh, the entire company and their customers were kind of living this purpose of well-being 
through the notion of a movement for financial confidence. Um, the movement was called, uh, we called it for short, On Up, which stands for Onwards and Upwards. But uh, ultimately, about 6 million people joined the movement, uh, and it, uh, it was a huge success. So that's just an example of how we sort of took this lofty notion of purpose, mm-hmm. put it through the lens of a movement to make it a lot more actionable. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, movement inside an organization and movement outside of an organization later on as well. Uh, but my yeah. next thing that I really wanted to talk about was the idea of movement versus mandate, um, which I think is particularly interesting. Um, tell me a little bit about that and that, uh, I guess, dichotomy, right? You know, what is the yeah. difference between um, a movement within a company and a mandate within a company? Right. It's it's really simple. So mandate is when leadership says, do this because we tell you to do it. Mm-hmm follow orders, top-down, hierarchical. Movement is let's all do this together because it's something we really care about and want to do together. Mm. So with the SunTrust example, if uh, I think when, uh, you know, the, if they had announced their purpose, you know, the, the CEO said, uh, our purpose is lighting the way to financial well-being. You guys go out and light people's way to financial well-being. Mm. As I told you, first of all, it's an order. People didn't really even understand it. They didn't know what to do with it. It went nowhere. Mm. When they landed on this idea that, you know, your fellow Americans are in financial stress, you have the power as a SunTrust employee to do something about it. Do you want to do this? Well, they all said, yes, I would. It makes me feel like my job is meaningful and important. Let's all do this together because we want to. Mm. So, that's kind of the difference between the top-down mandate and sort of a, um, a, a uh, throughout the organization um, movement. So I, I don't know if you have any insight on this, but why have we thought that mandate thinking works this whole time? I mean, it, it's been so common, right, to just have, as you mentioned, you know, a, a lot of uh, companies just have that top-down thinking of, you know what, just do it because we've asked you to or do it because the company that's just what the company does, right? Why, why, we, why do we do this? Um, you know, it's still, at least in the United States, I, I noticed, it's still the norm in many organizations. Mm. And I just think that, you know, historically, um, I guess maybe even like coming out of the Industrial Revolution, mm. perhaps the way that companies were structured were hierarchical where you have people at the top who make decisions and they it trickles down throughout the organization, whereas at, at, if you're at the bottom, you know, several layers down, you're pretty much just expected to take orders. Mm. So it's not a very enlightened uh, management approach, mm-hmm. but it's still surprisingly prevalent. Right. And yet we've seen so many studies that, you know, um, employee engagement rates and productivity are are related, right? You know, the more people want to do their job, the more they're going to do their job, you know, to kind of simplify it. But that is kind of what it is, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting that, you know, uh, first of all, you have this sort of purpose, which is, I guess, the 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 what you want to do, right, with your company. And, and basically, you're sort of giving, you know, uh, like a how and why and, and, and like specific steps, you know, for your employees to actually make sure that, they are all contributing to one specific idea or goal. And I also love the idea of, of having that common enemy as well, because I think that's also really important, right? You, you, It's sort of, I don't know, empowering, I guess, to have something to fight against. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yes. Mm. No, it, 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 absolutely, it absolutely does. A common enemy can bind people together uh, and, and sort of a shared cause. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I think that's one of the reasons that movement thinking gets people all 
kind of working together and and, and being motivated by something emotional that they care about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a short break, but after that, I will continue my conversation with Chip Walker all about activating brand purpose. So do stay tuned to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Mishmash, BFM 89.9. You're listening to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong, and on the line with me today is Chip Walker. He's the head of strategy and partner at Strawberry Frog in the United States, as well as co-author of the book Activate Brand Purpose, How to Harness the Power of Movements to Transform Your Company. And today we're talking primarily about the book and about the concepts within it. What is activating purpose? What is movement thinking? And so, you know, before the break, we sort of talked about, you know, having a purpose is not just about, okay, the company is doing this because of doing this. It's also uh, allowing your company to um, have a change that they want to move towards uh, making and also to have a common enemy to fight against. And what I want to do now is talk a little bit about movement inside and outside organizations. So let's start inside first. Um, with your example before the break of the bank where, you know, the movement inside started with uh, essentially a financial literacy program, right? You know, why was that yeah. important? Why did it have to start from there? Yeah, um, and it, it, almost all the time, we strongly recommend that uh, clients start um, any kind of purpose work and movement work with uh, employees inside the company first. Um, and it's just because um, to, to go out with uh, and just sort of make it messaging, for example, that you do uh, on in advertising or TV commercials, and your internal employees aren't on board, don't fully understand it, don't get it, don't live it every day, um, it can start to seem very inauthentic and fake to people. Uh, and when you do start internally and you get all of your um, employees and associates on board living it every day, uh, it starts to sort of permeate everything that, that you do. Um, so it's for, for those reasons that, you know, we, we almost always start with what we call movement inside, as we did with the, the bank example that I gave you. Um, and um, it just makes everything sort of flow a lot more naturally when you, we then go and start talking about uh, your, your purpose and movement issues on the outside. Um, it just seems a lot more genuine and authentic to people when they see you living it on the inside. And in fact, what we see often is when people get a, a companies get accused of purpose washing, it's often because they go out and start externalizing their purpose and doing ads about it and talking about it while they've left um, a, a lot of important stuff internally uh, untouched. Right. For example, you know, you hear about companies, I mean, Nike, Nike, I think, got in trouble for this, where they're doing a lot of uh, advertising around, um, you know, a, a lot of big, important societal issues. And yet they get accused of, like, not really um, supporting, for example, minorities in their management system, mm -hmm. uh, not paying income tax for the last 10 years. Uh, so, so things that make um, make people think that, you know, you don't have your own house in order. Right. So you shouldn't be going out talk, talking to us about societal issues when you haven't done that first. In a sense, it's as easy as saying, you know, just don't be a hypocrite, I guess. I mean, if you're going to, yeah. right, if you're going to have a purpose as a company, you're, the people within your company should share that purpose and understand, you know, or at least have a common, I guess, interest in, in that purpose, right? 
Yes, exactly. I, th- I think that, that that avoiding being a hypocrite is, is a, a good way to think about it. Mm. So, okay, so that's something to look at inside the organization, right? So, you know, you can take a look at, okay, right. So what is the change that our organization uh, wants to achieve? What is our common enemy? And then look at, all right, so how do we educate uh, our employees about this particular thing? Uh, what can we do to train them better to make that change, fight that enemy, right? Yes. So then once that's done and once you've sort of gotten that momentum going within the organization, how does that then translate outwards? Yeah, um, well, you can translate in in many different uh, ways. I mean, um, often um, the external part of um, bringing a a purpose to light through a movement, uh, it often falls to sort of a a marketing team if if they're really responsible for sort of the company's outside kind of the experiences the companies create or the mm-hmm. messages that the company creates. Um, so it can come through something as mundane as just, you know, basic communication. Increasingly, what we see is that a lot of uh, CEO and executive um, uh, sort of uh, advocacy um, is really important. You see a lot of CEOs speaking out about really, really important issues. And in fact, you know, the CEOs of some very large companies like Amazon and whatnot are kind of expected to have a position on important uh, societal issues that are coming up. Mm-hmm. So often executive presence and leadership, it can be marketing and communication that the company does. Um, those are, are two sort of, I think, big ways that uh, a movement for a company gets... Um, it's kind of understood and known outside of its four walls. Right. And would you say that, you know, the idea that you are representative of whatever company you're working for, do you think that's also really important for that movement outside an organization as well? If you know your purpose, then you can be a better representative of the company you work for as well. Sure, of course. I mean, all employees are in some ways kind of ambassadors of mm-hmm. whatever it is the company wants to stand for. Um, I mean, mainly, obviously, when they're on duty and working, but to a degree, sometimes when they're not. Mm, right. That, like that association, right, with with uh, your company is kind of always going to be there for as long as you're with the company, right? So it's nice yeah. if if your organization knows what they're doing, why they're doing it, and how they're doing it, it's a lot easier for you to also be a better representative of that. So, all right, on the show, we also like to talk about like tools and tips that we can use and um, especially when it comes to measuring these big concepts. Um, So I wanted to talk a little bit about what the Purpose Power Index is and how we can use it. Sure, sure. Well, um, the Purpose Power Index, uh, it it came about because uh, you you were just mentioning sort of measurement. And Mm. a lot of clients were asking us about, well, how do you kind of measure purpose and the degree to which... uh, um, your company is seen as being purposeful. Um, and um, do, do, do people even, uh, does the average, does the public really even care about all this stuff? So we partnered, uh, Strawberry Frog, we partnered with a really well-known um, company here in the United States that measures uh, company reputation. Uh, it's called the Reputation Institute. So it's very, very well-known. It's a, a, you know, kind of a, a very technical research company. So we worked with them to design a, uh, a survey Um, And it's been done both. It's been done two waves in the United States and one wave that's global. Um, And it's uh, among the general public. uh, And it's basically measuring uh, people's perceptions of which companies and brands um, are purposeful or or are not. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And um, so, so we, you know, they basically developed a scale with them uh, that uh, gauges, you know, just that, the, the perception of higher purpose. So we learned a lot of really interesting things. Well, first of all, that, you know, purpose is important to a lot of people are doing business with uh, companies that are purposeful. Uh, we also learned that it's actually really hard, though, to get uh, viewed as purposeful by um, the public. They're kind of hard graders. And I think it has to do with, um, with Christine, what we were talking about earlier, uh, of people seeing a lot of kind of hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they know that maybe there are brands that do a lot of ads about purpose, but they don't see any other evidence that right. the company's purposeful. So people are very hard graders. There's only a fairly small number of companies and, and brands that get a lot of credit for purpose. Um, but those that do, um, they, they, uh, they get a lot of benefits in, in, in terms of the public's perception of them. Yeah, so th- that's basically the Purpose Power Index. Awesome. All right. Now I want to finish up with, um, for people who are listening, who are very interested in, you know, beginning this process, right? What are some of the ways to start galvanizing your organization towards movement thinking? Well, I mean, I think the, the, the important thing is to start with the foundation of, of, of purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it sort of depends a little bit on where you are in your purpose journey. Um, in it, you know, defining is obviously the a really important thing. Um, so let, let's just say that you've, you know, you've worked and you've, um, with uh, folks within your company, or maybe you've had some outside help, you've developed um, a purpose. Um, I, I think the next step then is to really ask yourself, um, you know, to what extent do we feel like we can action this as it is. Mm-hmm. And if you're like most companies that we deal with, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you're probably going to need to put some other lens on purpose to make it super actionable. And, you know, for us, that's a movement. And, and you know, obviously, if, if you're interested in movement thinking and, and that kind of thing, um, I hope you'll look at our book and mm-hmm. it'll give you lots of details as, as to what to do. But, um, you know, what, what we do in terms of, uh, we, we have this idea that we call movement thinking. And it's sort of a four-step um, process, I guess you would call it, or mm-hmm. a four-step model for some questions that you need to ask yourself uh, in order to um, to uh, uh, sort of put a movement frame over your purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really is, um, for one thing, as I said, to think about um, kind of a dissatisfaction that you, your company, your leadership, your employees all have uh, with the world. Is there something going on in the world that you're dissatisfied again, uh, with that, um, that that has to do with your business? And in the case, as you, I mentioned earlier, of SunTrust, it was that, you know, we were five years out of the recession and most people still hadn't recovered financially. Mm. So what's your dissatisfaction? Is there that important change that you would like to see in the world that we can all get behind? And for SunTrust, it was that we want to get people to be more financially confident. Then looking for an enemy what are you going to rail against? And uh, in this case, for SunTrust, it was uh, sort of financial anxiety and stress. And then what is the stand that you're going to take? Uh, and for SunTrust, it was really a stand for financial confidence. So it's sort of a dissatisfaction in the world, a change you want to see, an enemy you're going to rail against, and a stand you're going to take. If you kind of go through those four um, sort of tenets, 
uh, we, we found that, you know, 99 times out of 100, you can find a lens that makes your purpose a lot more actionable. And so that's, that's basically step two, which is movement thinking. And then I guess step three is just to basically uh, start creating experiences, both inside and outside your companies and communication um, and behaviors that bring that movement to life. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Chip, for joining me on Raise Your Game today and uh, for talking to me all about activating brand purpose. Well, thank you, Christine. It's been a pleasure. This has been Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong, and I've been speaking to Chip Walker, co-author of the book Activate Brand Purpose, How to Harness the Power of Movements to Transform Your Company, as well as Head of Strategy and Partner at Strawberry Frog. If you've missed any of today's show, you can go ahead and download our app that's available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. And you can also listen to the podcast on our website, bfm.my. I'm Christine Wong. This is Raise Your Game on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.